This program is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any illness. Please speak with your doctor when starting a new health program. Welcome to the show, one and all. This is George Batista, your host, as always, and wellness advocate. Wellness Talk is the show that goes over the latest in health, healing, nutrition, fitness, and supplements. And I am broadcasting from a very frigid northeast. It's probably right now about 18 degrees here, and um, we're going to get some snow today. So uh, I'm jealous of all you folks that are down south getting the warmer weather. But I guess when you you know decide to live in the Northeast, this is what comes with it. Hope everyone is healthy and having a great day. And uh, just remember always to like, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening, whether it's on Google Podcasts or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, BitChute, MeWe, or anywhere else you're listening to this show. And uh, we also are supported by those of you who like to donate from pay- on Patreon. So thanks to one and all who have donated uh, through Patreon. Platinum Nutritionals or GeorgeBatista.com is the uh, website where you can uh, take a look at all the articles that we go over. All right, so this week, why high-dose vitamin C kills cancer cells. This is from University of Iowa. Now, this is something that we in the alternative industry have known for a very long time. And uh, the only thing I can say about the University of uh, Iowa is... I know, I know, it's not nice, but I just decided that I'm going to be very sarcastic when I start reading articles of things that the alternative industry has known for many, many years, but mainstream medical seems to just figure it out, so... Anyway, so we'll go over that because I think it is important uh, why the high-dose vitamin C works so well against cancer cells. Then, nighttime eating, sleep-wake cycles, and stress management. This is from Wellness Resources' Linda Doberstein, and she's got some great tips here on uh, those of you who not only snack right before you go to bed or uh, just have this really, really bad habit of eating before you go to bed and dealing with weight issues or dealing with any kind of hormonal issues, as well as those of you who may, you know, have uh, crazy work cycles, maybe you have uh, shift work or something like that, and just really find, you know, it, it's, it becomes a problem, especially with not only keeping yourself healthy, uh, keeping yourself energized and keeping the weight off. Um, if you are not only eating at night, but also if you're just have keeping crazy hours, whether it's you're just staying up late because you can't sleep or because you, again, dealing with shift work or something like that. So anyway, there's a lot of great tips in here that she has on how to, um, how to deal with those issues. So we'll go over that. And then also as part of that, and it's something that I get asked a lot, um, so I think I'm going to go over it today because I think it's important. Um, I get asked about how I eat or the principle that I use when it comes to eating and my diet. So, and I, I've touched on it a few times on this show and maybe some of the older shows, 
but I'm going to go over it again because I haven't gone over it recently. And part of it is in this article, but also um, I'm just going to go over the principles of what's called the leptin diet. Now, it is called the leptin diet and it was actually started from wellness resources and they have some great resources on it. And I follow it because it just works very, very well uh, for me. But I mean, I don't really consider it a diet because it's really not a diet. It's more just a way of eating. And uh, those of you who listen to this show know that I don't follow any particular, you know, specific diet. Like when it comes to, let's say, vegan or vegetarian, you know, vegetarian or, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, paleo or keto, whatever. I don't follow any of that stuff. I just follow more of a nutritional diet. But this leptin diet is a great diet. And it works very well because it helps you eat in harmony with your um, with your hormones. But it also is a great way to maintain your weight and or lose weight. And it's a great way to keep your blood sugar in check as well. So it, it checks off a lot of boxes. So I'm going to go over the principles of that. And I'm going to go over exactly how it works and why it's so important. And how you guys can take advantage of it if you've never heard of it before. Uh, many of you may have heard of leptin. So I'll, I'll go over that though as well. And um, how you can do it in a very easy and simple way where you don't have to go crazy on these really, really strict diets. So I think it's important. I think uh, you guys will get a lot out of that. So, um, so that's what's on tap for this week. So let's get started. First, University of Iowa, why high-dose vitamin C kills cancer cells. So directly from this uh, article, low levels of catalase enzyme make cancer cells vulnerable to high-dose vitamin C from the University of Iowa. So the, uh, the scientists have shown that giving vitamin C intravenously and bypassing the normal gut metabolism and excretion pathways creates blood levels that are 100 to 500 times higher than levels with oral ingestion, okay, which is something that we've known. But we don't, you know, a lot, but it hasn't really been explained why does the um, vitamin C, especially the intravenous vitamin C, work so well? So basically what it is is this. Your cells, your cells have what's, they have this enzyme that protects your cells and it's called catalase. Now the difference between regular cells and cancer cells is that cancer cells do not have this layer of protection or have a very, very low layer of protection um, um, as far as catalase goes. So what happens is if you take intravenous vitamin C, again, intravenous vitamin C is probably the best way if you are dealing with cancer um, and you go to a functional medicine doctor who deals with these kind of IV vitamin drips or uh, IV vitamin C or whatever it is, or it could be intravenous ozone or, or, you know, but usually it's those types of doctors, maybe naturopaths that deal with that. So anyway, when you get this intravenous vitamin C, um, the vitamin C goes into your system. Now, keep in mind that that cancer cells, one of the things cancer cells accumulate is iron, okay? So it's not only sugar, okay? Obviously, cancer does take in a lot of sugar, but it also accumulates iron. So what ends up happening is when the vitamin C comes in, the vitamin C actually reacts with the iron, okay? And... Um, in a very general way, I'll explain it. But basically, what it does, it turns, it turns uh, the iron. It reacts with the iron and turns it into peroxide, which eventually creates what's called a hydroxyl radical. Now, the hydroxyl radical 
is one of the most powerful things your body can generate in that reaction. It is so powerful that it, it, it completely destroys whatever's next to it as far as if it's not protected, okay? So um, what this hydroxyl radical does, it is one of the most, I mean, it's one of the most toxic things known to man, okay? But the reason why it's so important is because it will immediately start to destroy cancer cells because the cancer, cell, the cancer cells do not have catalase. And that's why it's able to start working on the cancer cell right away. Now, the good thing about this vitamin C is that the hydroxyl radical does not affect your normal cells because of the catalase. So it's, and that's, that's very, very important. This is called what's called a Fenton reaction, okay? So again, you know, your cells, uh, your, your, your cancer cells are accumulating iron, the vitamin, cells come, the vitamin C comes in, it turns the ferric to ferrous and basically creates hydrogen peroxide, which eventually creates a hydroxyl radical, which immediately starts to react against cancer cells. Now, this happens very, very quickly, okay? So your blood level of vitamin C goes way up really, really quickly. And then once it actually starts to react, it comes way down, okay? So this is why a lot of people, when they're dealing with cancer and they're doing intravenous vitamin C, they have to do, you know, they may have to do many sessions because, you, you know, even though you get a, a really, um, really big reaction with this, it, it may not necessarily, you know, destroy the cancer in, in one or two sessions. It may You may need a few sessions. But anyway, so um, this is what happens. Now, the physicians at the... Um, at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics are now testing the approach in clinical trials for pancreatic cancer and lung cancer that combine high-dose intravenous vitamin C with standard chemotherapy or radiation. Now, the earlier phase one trials indicated this treatment is safe and well-tolerated and hinted that the therapy improves patient outcomes, okay? Now, we all know vitamin C is extremely safe whether it's taken orally or intravenously. So, um, but there are a lot of people that use this combination uh, along with chemotherapy. And again, you know, it's up to the person and or their doctor, whether it's a functional medicine doctor or a regular doctor, whether they want to use both, you know, intravenous vitamin C and chemotherapy or they want to use one or the other. I have seen people and I have worked with people who have used both simultaneously. I've worked with people who've used one. I've worked with people who use the other. So I've seen all different types. But again, it's up to each person individually how they want to do it. But um, this, again, this is a, you know, a very uh, good explanation of, of why the, the vitamin C works so well. Again, on the intravenous side. Now, you're not going to get this reaction with the, with the oral side. Now, the oral side um, works very, very well when you're dealing with certain illnesses, when you're dealing with viruses or bacteria, those types of things. Um, all different types of issues, and there, there's been many doctors uh, who have used that. Who have used that with, you know, I mean, getting grams up to thirty to forty grams orally. But again, when you're dealing with a serious issue like cancer, you're you're better off going with an intravenous vitamin C because you you just cannot get the oral levels high enough as you would when you take it intravenously. Now. Again, you don't have to believe my word for the this type of stuff, okay? I would point you in the direction of taking a look if you guys really want to get some information on how 
Vitamin C kills cancer cells and kills all different types of stuff. Um, I would point you to the work of Dr. Frederick Klinner, Dr. Robert Cathcart, uh, Dr. Hugh Reardon, Dr. Thomas Levy, who, by the way, I had on my show, those of you who are interested in learning about vitamin C and didn't see that episode, I, I interviewed Thomas Levy on my show about a month or so back. So check, check out the archives, and there's a video of it also on, on BitChute and MeWe if you want to take a look at that. Um, but I, and also Dr. Linus Pauling, who won two Nobel Prizes, by the way, and he started the Pauling Institute. But I would direct you, I, I would direct you to those doctors. Read their literature. It is unbelievable. Matter of fact, Dr. Thomas Levy has a book called Curing the Incurable, all about vitamin C, and, and he names whatever disease you can think of, and he talks about how vitamin C works with it. It is absolutely phenomenal, and it will blow your mind. If you're into the technical stuff of how vitamin C works, check out that book. You will be amazed at the stuff that, that goes on. So anyway... Um, Good article from uh, University of Iowa, just something to think about. Those of you who are dealing with cancer or just dealing with, in general, uh, whatever illness you're dealing with, vitamin C just works so well. And again, this is, not a, this is not a replacement for any kind of therapies. You have to work with your doctor to, um, to see what is right for you. Next, from Wellness Resources, Linda Doberstein, nighttime eating, sleep-weight cycles, and stress management. Now, one of the things that um, when I have worked with people when it came to diet, one of the things, the common theme that I kept running into is how people would eat right before they go to bed. And I'm telling you, even people in my own family, it's, 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 a, it's a big problem for people. Um, and part of it is because maybe they don't have a great dinner or they're, they're used to eating six or seven times a day. And they just need, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they need that snack right before they go to bed. So, um, but it is a big problem, okay? And, and it's such a big problem, they've actually made a syndrome out of it. Now, I don't necessarily agree with syndromes. I'm not a person that likes to label, you know, people with certain types of syndromes. I do agree it's a problem. But in the article here, where they talk about night eating syndrome. Uh, which is a term applied to individuals who, who consume more than 25% of their daily nutrition after the evening meal uh, two or more times per week. Now, the research, the research has shown that individuals who eat significant amounts of food after dinner were significantly and independently associated with increased body mass index, BMI, right? Shorter sleep duration, later sleep-wake schedule, and higher insomnia scores okay but whether you whether you call it a syndrome or not it's a problem okay it's a problem and it's a bad habit that people can get into that um again it's one of the rules on the leptin diet which i'm going to talk about um that you you definitely should not be doing now why why is this important when it comes to um your whole you know, this this medical metabolic effect well one of the things that it affects is a hormone called prolactin now, the hormone prolactin was originally discovered and named for its role in promoting lactation. It's the, it's the hormone that promotes lactation in women, right? And it, it, has since been found, it since has been found to be involved with numerous actions throughout many internal organs and the nervous system. So they have found that it's significantly involved in body weight management, ad, uh, adipose tissue, pancreas, 
adrenal glands, and other tissues in response to stress and more, okay? And studies show that secretion of prolactin in the brain and elsewhere in the body is greatly impacted by light as well. So again, this is one of those things when you're trying to sleep and you got light coming in your room, um, or, you know, that type of thing. But it also affects neurotransmitters and, and, and thyroid function. Um, it just, it, there's a lot of different things that prolactin uh, affects, okay? So that's one of the things that so we've got to get this in check because, again, um, sleep-wake cycles and, all, and eating in, at the wrong times can affect all different types of hormones in your body, okay? So it's very, very complicated stuff. So she talks about here, let's talk about the, the biggest practical points, okay? So let's first look at, number one, um, circadian rhythm. So what can we do, right? Follow the, na- the day-night uh, light-dark cycle, circadian ry- rhythms, as much as possible, okay? So um, artificial lights at night and irregular schedules change your body's natural uh, ingrained body clocks, okay? Now, chronic dysregulation of your circadian rhythm affects gene signals and body clocks regulated to body weight, metabolism, blood sugar, hunger, and satiety, digestion, and bowel motility, thyroid and adrenal function, and much, much more, okay? So again, those of you who, who do shift work, I know a lot of people who work, you know, swing shifts, who work late at night. I remember just out of college, actually, just when I was in college, um, I myself was working late nights um, because I would go to school during the day, and then uh, I had a job that you know, I worked evening sh- evening shifts, got out at 12 o'clock. Then there were times where I worked overnight shifts and I got out like at 8 o'clock in the morning and, oh, my God, did it wreak havoc on my schedule. But those people who have those type of shifts have some of the greatest challenges with metabolism, okay? Metabolism with insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, leptin resistance, obesity, and all these types of concerns. So... It's one of those things that obviously, you know, not everybody can change their work schedule, but if you can, we, I would definitely recommend to do that, okay? But also use natural full-spectrum light bulbs when you are awake. Um, also, when you're sleeping, use blackout curtains when you sleep to mimic the natural day-night rhythms and shut down your electronics in your bedroom, okay? Because all that plays a part into it, okay? Um, also, if you're getting out of bed in the morning... Um, and, uh, you're, you're, you know, if, if you're, if you require your alarm to go off three or four times that, and you require massive amount of, of caffeine, that can be a problem. Okay. So you have to remember that, uh, you may not be getting enough sleep if you're just having a really, really hard time getting up. So sleep deprivation increases appetite, derails circadian rhythms. And is linked with the metabolic syndrome, not to mention that it affects reaction times and mental clarity and mood. And you have to keep in mind also that if you're not sleeping enough or your body's just out of whack when it comes to sleeping, let's say you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning or you're just, you're just having a hard time sleeping, that actually makes you hungrier, okay? Because your body needs energy and your body, you know, one of the things your body gets energy from is food, right? You, your body needs... so. If you're, if you're dragging through the day, you're going to find yourself hungrier as time goes along because you're not sleeping properly. So sleep is huge, okay? So number two, the leptin diet. And this is what I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over the five rules really, really quick. 
The five rules are never eat after dinner. Number two, eat three meals a day. Number three, do not eat eat large meals. Number four, eat a breakfast containing protein. And number five, reduce the amounts of carbohydrates eaten. Now, high quality protein in the morning engages a higher rate of metabolism for longer periods of time compared to a breakfast packed with carbohydrates, okay? Things like eggs and dairy, organic uh, grass-fed meats and poultry, seeds, all these type of stuff. It revs up your metabolism. So strive for at least 20 to 25 grams or palm-sized servings of protein for breakfast, okay? One large egg is seven grams of protein. So one cup of low-fat yogurt provides 12 grams of protein. Uh, One scoop of Uh, What Wellness Resources has the daily protein. Um, They have an unflavored daily protein, which provides 26 grams of whey protein without all the sugar and the the cholesterol. So anyway, I'm going to go over a little bit more about that when when I talk about the leptin diet. But protein in the morning is absolutely great to have, and I recommend it, and that's what I do. And then number three, stress and neurotransmitter support. So dopamine GABA are neurotransmitters used for many neurological and metabolic functions, including prolactin management, right? Daily stressors, poor diet, lack of sleep, lack of protein, amino acids, uh, or, or other nutrients contribute to lower levels of these neurotransmitters. So there's a lot of things you can take that will help to support uh, your neurotransmitter and your stress and a lot of programs that, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of products that Wellness Resources has that I would recommend to help with stress management and, and those types of things. And things like um, uh, the, amino, the amino acid tyrosine is a precursor to dopamine, okay? Tyrosine-rich, influ- tyrosine-rich foods include beef, pork, fish, chicken, cheese, milk. Uh, all those types of things can help support that, okay? Um, other thing, making sure you don't have... You know, too much caffeine, right? Three, four, five cups of coffee a day. Try to not have, as have you know, don't have as many as as that. I would say, and then other things like support, like um, melatonin at bedtime for circadian rhythm support and sleep. All these things can be used to help with that. So again, just some things to think about. I think it's very, very important. The, you know, these are things again with stress and sleep wake cycles and all this. This is something we all either deal with now or have dealt with at some point where you felt your body was off. So just try your best to, um, you know, just to keep your body in some kind of regular rhythm. Again, you know, some people, they can do it and they fine, but others can't. I know I'm one of those people that just can't. I, I need a regular rhythm to my life. I need to go to bed at certain times. I'm not a person that can do shift work. I need to eat at certain times. That's just the way my body's so trained that way. So um, just some things to think about. Um, And then from here, I want to talk a little bit about the leptin diet, which is, again, the diet that I uh, not only have promoted and I've helped people with, but I um, use myself. Now, let's talk a little bit about leptin first, and I'll kind of briefly talk about it because leptin has been talked about in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, but uh, um, Byron Richards, who is one of my mentors and a nutritionist um, from Wellness Resources, he was uh, he was one of the gentlemen that really knew so much about leptin and the diet and and just how everything worked, and um, it's it's fantastic science. But anyway, so again, they have a lot of great information on uh, 
on their website. If you look under the leptin diet portion, you'll see it. So I'll go over some of that, though. Um, so leptin is the king of hormones. It's the commander in chief of virtually everything that takes place in your body. Okay, and you got you have to kind of understand how it how it works in your body because it's it is truly remarkable. But it's it's involved with weight management, thyroid function, stress, mental capability, inflammation, immunity, reproduction, cardiovascular health, you name it. Okay, now leptin is actually a hormone. Okay, so meaning that once once it is released, it will travel to another area of your body to make things happen. Okay, so that's what it does. Okay, now leptin is actually made in your white adipose tissue or stored fat, and then it is released from your stored fat in response to eating. So what happens is when you eat, okay, when you're eating uh, a meal. Leptin is released from your fat and it starts to enter uh, through your blood and travels up to your brain, delivering a message as to how much fuel you have on hand. When your brain answers that phone call and listens to the message, it tells you, number one, how fast you can run your metabolism based off of how much gas is in your tank, using kind of a car analogy. And then, so basically what leptin does is it tells you, it's pretty much telling telling your brain kind of like a gas gauge how much fuel you have this way you will eventually get the full signal where you can stop eating so it basically tells your brain hey look we've got energy we've got enough fuel on hand the body can now stop and you'll get that full signal so that's kind of a rough general uh overview and it it, the science goes way into it i mean it's really really involved in it there's a lot more stuff that it does but that's just kind of a quick overview of how leptin works. Now, let's talk about the leptin diet and uh, how I use it uh, in my normal day. So again, we're going to talk about the principles and each principle and how how they work. Now, keep in mind there, you know, there is some wiggle room in here, but um, but I think they're very simple principles and um, and they can be used they can be used, you know, throughout the course of your day. It's not, it's not a crazy thing where it's like a crazy diet where you have to be deprived of all the stuff, okay? But I think it's just some basic rules that you can apply that, that seem to work very well. So number one, again, and we talked about it before, never eat after dinner. So you want to allow 11 to 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. So never go to bed on a full stomach, right? Finish eating dinner at least three hours before bed. Now, one of leptin's main rhythms follows a 24-hour eating pattern, okay? So, or 24-hour pattern, not eating pattern, but pattern. So, leptin levels are highest in the evening hours. This is because leptin like is like the conductor in the orchestra. It sets the timing for nighttime repair. It coordinates the timing and releases, and it helps to coordinate, by the way, the release of melatonin right? It also helps to coordinate the release of thyroid hormone, growth hormones, sex hormones, immune system function to carry out rejuvenating sleep. So very, very important, okay? And you know when this is working really, really well when, you know, when you don't have major cravings late at night, okay? Which I don't, okay? So this is one of the things because if if you're eating if you're eating right before dinner, number one, when you go to sleep, you have to remember sleep is the repair process. That means that you're delaying this process, okay? You are delaying it. And you are delaying fat burning, by the way, okay? So you don't want to do that. You want to make sure you're giving enough time. 
So very, very important. Now, uh, number two, eat three meals a day. And this is the big one, right? Because what's most of the, um, most of the advice out there today? You got to eat six to seven meals a day to stoke your metabolism. I don't get it. I, and I still to this day don't, will never understand that. It is absolutely ridiculous to me. Unless you're truly hypoglycemic, I mean severely hypoglycemic, I, it makes no sense to me why you would eat five or six. We all grew up on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I grew up on breakfast, lunch, and dinner you know, my whole life. And keep in mind, by the way, our ancestors, right, who were the caveman days who had a hunt for food, do you think they were eating five to six times a day? No, they were not. They were lucky if they had one or two meals a day, right? Think about that for a second. They were lucky if they had one to two meals a day, right? And they weren't, they weren't obese back then. The obesity epidemic started pretty much in the last century. Think about that, right? Before this, we really didn't have an obesity epidemic. Why? Because people were eating two to three meals a day. And they were eating for what they needed, not what they wanted. So just keep those things in mind. Now, Again, eat three meals a day, allow five to six hours between meals and do not snack. It is vital, vital that you, that you have this time because number one, this time between meals helps you to clear out what's called triglycerides. Now, if triglycerides clear, uh, build up during the day, they actually they stop the leptin signal from entering your brain and giving you that full signal. Okay, they cause what's called leptin resistance. Okay, so leptin cannot register in your subconscious command and control center. Okay, so you remember your metabolism was not designed to deal with constant eating and snacking. Okay, so eating too often is like a repetitive strain injury. Think about it. All right, so what happens is when you, when you, uh, when you you know, when your body has burned through all the sugar, okay, keep in mind you have stored blood sugar in your liver, okay, known as, uh, known as uh, glycogen, okay, and what happens in the middle, um, when you haven't eaten, your, your, um, there will be a, a, a hormone called glucagon that will go and tap on your liver and say, hey, hey, re- release the stored glycogen. The reason why it does that is to help um, to keep your head awake, Right, so you can move throughout the day, so you can have energy throughout the day. That's what happens when you don't eat and you allow enough time between your meals. Okay, so but this is very, very important. Now, snacking turns out to be one of the worst things that you can do. It doesn't matter how many calories you snack on. When you snack, you throw powerful uh, hormonal switches that cause leptin to malfunction. Okay, and by the way, keep in mind. That if you're constantly snacking, your blood sugar is never coming down, okay, right? Because if you eat a meal, your blood sugar stays up for an hour or two, depending on the size of the meal. Once it comes down, you snack on something, your blood sugar goes right back up, right? So snacking is not a good thing to do. So again, allow that time. And this is what I do. I eat early in the morning, and then I don't eat again until, until the afternoon. And by the way, if you do this long enough, you will be surprised at how your body adapts to the way you're eating. Because remember, you train your body on how, how you're eating. You're basically, you're on your diet, you're training your body. That's what you do. Your body gets used to it. It adapts. That's what your body does. So when you have long 
uh, fasting times, like five or six hours, because it's kind of like intermittent fasting, your body eventually adapts to it. And then you don't get hungry. And I'm not hungry within that time. I get hungry literally white when I'm supposed to get hungry because my body is adapted to that. Number three, do not eat large meals. If you are overweight, always try to eat, finish a meal when slightly less full, okay? Keep in mind that the full signal usually catches up about 10 to 20 minutes when you start eating. So eating slowly is important, especially of those of you who are dealing with weight issues, right? So, you know, um, as you improve on this type of thing, you will start getting full signals at your meals. So you got to listen to that. Listen to that cue, okay? So it's, it's very important that you do that, okay? Um, but, you know, so that's going to help train you. Again, we're training our body, especially if you're dealing with, with um, trying to lose weight. You're training your body to eat less at the meal, okay? So, and, you know, consistently eating large meals is just the easiest way to poison your body if you think about it, right? Number four, eat a breakfast containing protein. Your metabolism can increase by 30% for as long as 12 hours from a high-protein meal and the calorie-burning equivalent of two or three-mile jog. Think about that, okay? So if you're eating a high-carbohydrate breakfast like, you know, cereal, waffles, pancakes, bagels, and stuff like that, it's only going to increase your metabolic rate by 4%, okay? So this is especially important for those individuals who struggle with energy, food cravings, and body weight. So... Think about that and keep, keep in mind that, uh, you know, it is necessary for anyone, especially over the age of 40, because metabolism starts to slow, slow down as you get older, right? So you want to keep your metabolism uh, in good shape. So one of the best ways to do it is to have protein uh, at your breakfast. A couple of eggs. Again, I talked about it, a couple of eggs or, or some uh, protein powder or some yogurt or something like that that has a good amount of protein. Now, two, two signs of a poor breakfast are, number one, you are unable to make it five hours to lunch without food cravings or your energy crashing. Number two, you are much more prone to strong food cravings later that afternoon or evening. Okay, so think about that. So it's just something to think about. Again, breakfast containing protein something to uh, that that's very, very important. And number five, reduce the amount of carbohydrates eaten. Now, carbohydrates are easy to use as fuels, right? But if you eat too many of them, there is no need for your body to dip into its savings account, again, which is the glycogen, right? So it's very important that you eat some carbohydrates. I never say don't eat any carbohydrates. You just don't want to overdo them, and this is part of the problem. Carbohydrates are needed or your thyroid turns off, your electrolytes become dysregulated, muscle, your, your muscles weaken, growth hormone is not released correctly, fat is not burned efficiently, and there is an unsatisfied feeling after a meal. So your, and your heart can actually become stressed and your digestive system can go on the brink. Okay, So again, I, I, I don't say cut out carbohydrates. I just think it's, it's a tough thing to do. And it can, actually, it can actually cause more problems than not. But now, if you are trying to lose weight, an easy way to do this is what you can look at the 50-50 technique. Very simple. Okay, Look at the food on your plate. You want to see a palm-sized portion of protein, let's say four to six ounces portion for women, six to eight portion for men, right? Ounces. And then you want to see a palm-sized amount of carbohydrates. So a 50-50 visual. Okay? So... 
you know, you know, think about it. Look at the protein versus the carbohydrates, right? The protein may be chicken, meat, turkey, eggs, or whatever. And the carbohydrates may be bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, fruit, corn, squash, all that type of stuff. But, you know, that's a good 50-50. And then throw some vegetables on there. As And, you know, vegetables, again, also vegetables contain carbohydrates, by the way. But at least put in a lot of vegetables because you can eat as many vegetables as you want. Now, those are the five rules of the leptin diet. Again, going over them you know, pretty quickly, but you, those are the main principles. And these are the principles that I use uh, on a regular basis. Now, again, I, I don't subscribe to any particular diet, but I use those principles, those simple principles every single day when I eat. And it works perfect for me because I maintain my weight. Not that I'm going to end up being a big guy anyway, but I just maintain my weight really, really well. I maintain my energy very, very well because of this diet, okay? Obviously, you combine the diet with, with a good exercise program and good sleep and stress management, uh, good hydration, and you're pretty much on your way. And by the way, my diet is pretty much 80-20. I would say 80% plant-based and 20% animal-based. So chicken, turkey, fish, make sure it's lean, lean, roasted chicken, roasted turkey, stuff like that. I eat a lot of salmon, wild-caught salmon. I'll have some salmon and vegetables. I'll have some chicken and brown rice, um, you know, uh, some quinoa. I'll have, I mean, these are just delicious dishes. You could put some lemon on the salmon, bake it really, really nice. There's so many different ways to prepare it to keep you nice and um, nice and full. And again, if you're going to eat a snack, if you're going to eat a snack, eat it with your meal, not in between your meal. So for example, if you want that after noon snack, and you know, I, I have this as well. Maybe I want a little something, a little piece of chocolate, a little, maybe a, a nice little cookie or something, you know, right after my, just to get that sweet taste out, you have it right after your meal, okay? Right there. And then from that point on, you don't eat until your next meal, which would be dinner, let's say, for example, okay? So again, that's the leptin diet in a nutshell. That's the diet that I use. That's pretty much it. And, and it's not it's not anything cumbersome. It's not anything crazy. It's just a very simple way of eating, um, but it works really, really well. And if you do it long enough, I know you might deal with cravings in, at some point, and you can do four meals a day, four hours apart, by the way. That's if, that's, I would say that would be the most but the five or six meals, no, I would never recommend that. And the people I've worked with have never done that. So anyway, that's just uh, that's just my take on it. Um, so check it out. And uh, Wellness Resources, again, has some great resources on it. So if you want to read more on it, I would check those out there. Okay? All right. So uh, that's it for this week. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys have a great week. Take care of yourselves. And as always, take control of your health. <laughs>